The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. One day last spring, I hauled tons of manure out of a neighbor's hen house. After dumping several truckloads of rich potential soil on my garden, a Christmassy feeling of generosity welled, welled up in my throat, and I thought I'd share a ton or so of my wealth with my old neighbor, Gramp Wiley. When I drove into his dooryard, I said, Hey, I brought you some chicken poop for your soil. Gramp Wiley, well, he stood back and eyed the load with studied indifference, and he said, Well, that stuff might disrupt the natural system I've got here. At present, my pH content is just right. Well, he'd never talked about the pH content or natural system before, so I says, Who you been talking to? And he said, Well, my hippie friends taught me a lot about gardening. They got the best vegetables in town, you know, and they, they were good enough to check my soil, and they told me it already has enough potash, phosphorus, and trace minerals like sulfur and molybdenum. Well, of course, I couldn't find any fault with that. All I know about gardening is clean out the hen house and dump the chicken nutrients where you plan to plant the crops. Grant Wiley said, Well, they, they told me to stay away from the dichlorovinyl diamethyl phosphates and to spray only with pyrethrins. Well, you can believe I started to move back toward my truck and Cause the lump in my throat that comes from cheerful giving had also gone. Gramp Wiley kept talking. He says, I do need more humus, I do need more humus, but chicken nutrients might be too strong. You know, it might kill my good angle worms. It could also bring in aphids and cutworms. It might encourage slugs, it might bring in weeds. I'm afraid you're going to have to sell that lud to someone who doesn't care what he does to his soil. I says, well, I'm sorry here, you misunderstood me. There's no charge, of course, I'm going to give it to you. Gramp Wiley opened his eyes real wide. He says, it's free. Back right over there by my compost heap and dump it right there. You know, my grandfather always said there ain't nothing that'll raise bigger squash than chicken manure. <laughs> Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you. 
Ghana here, Ghana here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. You know that ever since I found out who you are, I have been in awe of you. Thank you for listening. It, it is an honor and a privilege to chat here with you every week. You have earned the respect of your intelligent friends who can recognize and appreciate ability. And one of the other things I've learned about you is that you have a remarkable mind. It's like a steel trap. You don't forget anything. So I know you remember our recent chat about the words we casually let drop, you know, to indicate our status in the community. We mention our clubs and the famous people we might have met over the past ten years. And you can't help but wonder if social commentators like John Steinbeck or Michael Moore or Sinclair Lewis, you know, they all had to go to Europe to be appreciated for their genius and collect their prizes. You wonder if those fellows ever needed to mention it to their friends. Anyway, aren't these awards that you have thrust upon you the ones that count? You didn't go looking for it. You didn't ask to be teacher or citizen of the year. You went about minding your own business, and you were amazed when the award came looking for you. I remember the first time it happened to me. It was 1952. I was sitting next to Roy Swanson in the Tense Harbor Baptist Church. It was our graduation ceremony, and they were about to announce the High School Manual Training Woodworking Award for the year. Roy and I both knew that it would go to Ralph, because Ralph was the best carpenter in the entire high school. And when they called my name, I can still remember that Roy and I looked at each other with our mouths open. And 53 years later, I was once again startled and flattered by yet another unearned honor. That morning, by first-class mail from Machias, Maine, listen to this, I was awarded an honorary lifetime membership in the Maine Black Fly Breeders Association.
Cap- Captain Bill, Gene Harris, big band. I, you know I'm not impressed by kids who screech, screechy trumpets, but I think Bill Reichenbach was in there bringing up the bottom, probably with a bass trombone. Blah, 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 blah. The main, ooh, almost time to remind you that you are listening to the humble farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, I'm right here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you, thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. The main Department of Corrections says an incarceration center for youth will become a facility for adults. In 40 years, can you see it becoming a nursing home? Well, we get to admit that we're glad to see that the state of Maine is into long-range planning. I wonder if anyone has considered shorter sentences for nonviolent offenders.
John I here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. The other day, I walked up to Walderboro Village. 250 years ago, at least two of my great-great-great-grandfathers lived in Walderboro, so I should feel at home there. Walking through Walderboro is a wonderful experience. A little bit to the northern of the funeral parlor, some of the lawns are overgrown with gigantic trees, and you wonder if anyone lives in the huge old houses that set way back from the road. There's no grass on the lawns because no light can get in through the huge trees. Now, I'm only telling, telling you about this because it was a 17-foot length of granite, about a foot or less square in a stone wall out front of one of those old houses. Now, I paced it off to be sure because it grabbed my attention. How often do you see a 17-foot length of granite less than a foot in diameter? I've never seen anything like it. You wink, and a piece of granite like that breaks in two. And even a granite hitching post that's only four or five foot long will break in two if you drop it on something hard. Now, you know, I was brought up next to granite quarries. My father cut paving in quarries before the war. And I've handled my share of granite. I've seen a lot of granite. I know that someone who collects unique stones would pay a lot of money for a stone like that. Seventeen, seventeen feet long. Nowadays, of course, they could easily saw it out. But wouldn't you say that it was impossible to take a hammer and chisel and cut out anything like that? Unless you were Donatello?
Vix. Vix here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure I'm pushing the right buttons here. This month I'm selling rhubarb that I would have thrown away in May. Oh, it's good rhubarb, but the stalks are short and spindly and take forever to pick. So when you have prime rhubarb in the spring, rhubarb like this is not even worth bothering with, but because when it dries up in the summer, rhubarb gets to be scarce. Now, I knew I should have picked each plant down to nothing, but I forgot to do it. I have to leave notes on how to do these things, so I forget. And of course, when you leave, you know this, when you leave ten spindly stalks on a rhubarb plant, you continue to have ten spindly stalks, and it does not regenerate. Now, my friends might find one bunch on the chrome-plated farm stand in the morning. Now, if there's none there, they know enough to come in and ask. A woman recently did. And I'll go out and I'll scrape together something for them. But a hundred more rhubarb plants would be none too many for me. But, unfortunately, I will be working on the solar panel rack later. I have... Uh, eight more PV panels that'll give me 30 panels generating electricity just for me, putting money in my pocket every time the sun shines. So replanting rhubarb will have to wait. What do you do? What do you do? Tell me, what do you do when you have to decide between putting up more solar panels or putting more rhubarb on the farm stand? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear from you.
Ghana here on the Humble Farmer, where with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I just stumbled on this old, old letter from long-time radio listener, radio friend Kevin Bernard in a gunkwit. And Kevin, of course, been all, he's been a good friend for over 30 years. And you might know that Kevin made most of those beautiful redwood signs all inlaid with gold leaf that you see down there in a gunkwit. And this is what Kevin wrote to me. You want to hear this? Are you listening? This is what Kevin wrote to me about his handsome brother Mark, who at the time he wrote this letter was very popular with young ladies. He writes, Mark has been down to one woman for some time now. I had to pick him up at the York Hospital yesterday. Good luck, Mark. I'm married to one like that myself. Thank you. 
Should I insult your intelligence by saying Clark Terry? Because nobody could have done that but Clark Terry. Oscar Peterson, of course, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. One day my brother-in-law, Mark Sisko, called up to tell me that in a Mark Trail comic strip, Mark Trail is standing on an oyster bar ankle-deep in water surrounded by hungry sharks. Mark Trail is saying in this comic strip, I'm in big trouble. I'm surrounded by sharks on this oyster bar, and the tide is going out. Now, my brother-in-law thought that this was funny, and he said that Mark Trail wasn't going to get in trouble as long as the tide was going out. But anyone who thinks about this knows that although only a very few men have been eaten by sharks, Many men have been undone after eating a few oysters.
Ghana here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Are we? Oh, it's time to remind you that you're listening to the Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you know I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Are we born incompetent, or is incompetence thrust upon us? After 25 wonderful years of being married to Marsha, the almost perfect woman, I now wonder how I survived my 20 years, between 34 and 54, as a bachelor. Right now you might compare me to an appendage that has atrophied from lack of use because I no no longer know how to do anything. What do you suppose, think about this, what do you suppose would happen to me if I ran a load of wash through the machine and hung it out on the line? You're right. There's no way on this green earth that I would do it right. And if you're married to a type A woman, you know what happens when you try to help by making the bed. Yes, she tears it apart and makes it right with the corners tucked in and the sheet folded down at the top. Even though Marsha Stewart in all her glory couldn't tell the difference when the bedspread is on. You finally give up because she says it's easier for her to do it the first time right 
than it is to tear your work apart and then do it over again. Mow the lawn. Yes, you know it. She mows it again the same day with the blade set down to the dirt. Help her do the dishes? <laughs> Only if you want trouble in your marriage. You might have heard. This is important. I hope you're listening. You might have heard of some of our young so-called experts bleating the mantra, Oh, you have to work in a marriage. Marriage takes a lot of work and effort. This is not true. I never worked at our marriage, and I never will. For twenty-five years, I have simply stood back and got out of the way. I think about things. If you also think about things, it might be because you don't have enough to do, and I suggest that you find something to occupy your hands. 
This is why they say idle hands are the devil's workshop. If you're busy, you can't think, and thinking does not always give you a productive feeling of well-being. One morning, I was thinking about James Bond, which you might agree is about as unproductive as you can get when it comes to thinking. Because, and because you have never wasted your time thinking about Bond, uh, James Bond, you should know that James Bond is a good guy who zips about the globe while fighting powerful, evil men. And for years and years and years, I wondered how evil men like Dr. No and Goldfinger could find seemingly expendable, endless cadres of people to aid them in their bloody pursuits of world domination and personal economic gain. Now, I hope you won't think about this, because if you do, you will realize, as I did, that there are millions of people out there who eagerly vote for these people in every election.
I hear on the Humble Farmer. Thank, thank you for listening. Time to get out of here. As you know, I get snipped off in mid-song, so it's time now to thank you for listening. I'm the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And if you're lucky, you are able to think about projects without rushing into them because very often there are household members who wield great power who want everything done right now. You know who I'm talking about here? Don't think about it. Just do it. John told me that he started to restore a Volkswagen for his daughter's high school graduation. But John hasn't finished it yet, and she's now 29 years old and has a three-year-old son. Does that tell you something about a man's propensity for procrastination? Or does it perhaps indicate that his daughter is having a struggle with our educational system? Thank you.